I'm Chris Turner, and this is the Empowered Parent Podcast. Greetings, listeners, and welcome to another episode of the Empowered Parent Podcast. Joining me once again are Ryan and Kayla North. Hi, guys. Hey, Chris. Hey, Chris. So I wanted us to talk about building our child's team because our kids have a lot of adults in their lives other than us as their parents. So team is actually an acronym. So let's take it, uh, I guess, one letter at a time. Yeah, sounds good. Okay, so T is for therapists. Yeah, I think it's important to find a good therapist for your kids. Not Mm. to say that every kid has to be in therapy all the time, Right. right? I think it comes and goes and we we have to kind of be intuitive to when our kid is needing to mm-hmm. see a therapist um, and realizing that for a lot of our kids, there's a lot of attachment work that needs to be done right. and starting earlier versus waiting till later is probably better for our kids. Yeah. I was just thinking when you said not all of our kids need to be, in, not all of our kids need to be in therapy all of the time. I agree with that, but I would add that, all of us do need to be in therapy at some time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Not just our kids. No. But I mean, no. obviously with the context of this conversation, specifically children, but yes, because we know of kids who are constantly in therapy and not seeing a lot of breakthroughs because, you know, much like there is there are good cars and bad cars and there are good food, and bad food, there are good therapists and there are bad therapists. And, and one of the things we always caution people is that don't be, don't be sucked in by the credentials, mm-hmm. right? Because uh, a lot of people go and get the, the right credentials and don't really apply the modalities. What we are big believers in is referrals for people that we know who um, who have a therapist that they like, know, and trust. Right. Like our kid's therapist, she's amazing. And, um, you know... We probably should like you know get fifteen percent of her monthly gross because <laughs> half the people who go to her uh, will refer their by us, and she's just absolutely fantastic. And if you can find somebody like that, don't don't keep them to yourself. Don't don't hide it under a bushel. Yeah. You know, I'm saying that that is a valuable resource because um, not only is she trained in a lot of things, not only is she experienced, but she's just so intuitive with them. And and just, oh, sorry. And I think I think you have to also. If you're feeling like the therapist that you're seeing is not a good fit for your family, mm. then figure out why you're feeling that way. Like, mm, are, is good. that therapist giving you advice that you feel like is counter to what you've learned? Right. Um, and not to say that just because they don't tell you what you want to hear, you should leave. Right. But in your gut, right? I mean, I think you can kind of, you're like, this doesn't, this doesn't feel right. This doesn't mm-hmm. seem like, um, this advice is in line with all of the other classes we've gone to or all of the other trainings we've heard. And so if you're feeling that way, then maybe ask a few more questions, maybe ask some questions about, you know, specific things that you know what the answer really should be. Um, But also asking good questions ahead of time. I think oftentimes when we're looking for a therapist, we're looking for someone who's convenient to get to, Mm. We're looking for someone who takes our insurance and we're looking for all these things that make it a little more convenient for us when in reality we need the best fit. Otherwise, 
you might have to pay out of pocket to see somebody that's a really good fit for your kid. Mm-hmm. Most therapists are willing to work with you on the payment if you're paying out of pocket and negotiate on the price a little bit. Right. Um, but also, I mean, if just think, if you're going to that person that's really convenient to you, it only takes you 15 minutes to get to their office, but your child sees them for two years and makes no progress. Yeah. Versus if you go to that person that's maybe a little bit out of the way from you, but really gets your kids, really understands and works with um, kids from hard places, mm-hmm. and your child sees them for six months and is making huge strides. It's, I mean, it's all in your perspective, well, right? An example of that is that our kids therapist is about 40 minutes from our house. And we had a friend who um, was, was a little bit resistant to driving that far. Eventually, she did. And after a session or two, contacted Kayla. I was like, oh my gosh, she's amazing. Because as soon as you realize that those people can actually provide real help for your children, the thing that you thought was the issue is it becomes irrelevant right. immediately. The time thing just becomes irrelevant immediately because you see the leaps and bounds that your kids make. And um, you know, four of our kids have seen her or currently are seeing her, some combination thereof. And, um, yeah, I mean, we could probably labor this point, but the real point we're trying to make here is that, you know, ask around, get referrals, ask people you trust who they trust. And like Kayla said, it doesn't have to be all-consuming in the finance department, you know. Depending where you are here in Dallas, there's an organization called Christian Works, and if they have and their network of therapists, if you see one of them, they have, they have assist financial assistance for that. And so, you know, you can get, I don't know what, how much they'll reduce it by, but. They have but, a sliding scale based on income. So yeah. you can look at different places. And there's a lot of, um, you know, check your state's post-adopt services. Mm, if you good. adopted through the state, mm-hmm. they'll oftentimes fund some therapies and things like that. Um, another thing I just want to say about therapists, too, is that. A lot of people that have school-age kids struggle to find a therapist that will see their kids after school or on the weekends. Right. Because a lot of our kids are struggling in school, and we feel like, I can't pull my kid out of school Mm -hmm. for therapy. I was a classroom teacher for 11 years, and I never thought I would say this, but pull your kids out of school for therapy. It's worth it. Because when you can help your kids to get to a place of healing the educational piece is going to fall into place. Mm -hmm. But if you're struggling with some emotional things that are going on, the educational piece is never going to fall into place. Mm -hmm. And I was talking to a friend about that recently, and she said, thank you for saying that. I feel like I have permission now to pull my kid out of school. Like she just needed somebody else to say that. She kind of had been searching and Nobody took kids later in the day, and she really needed it to be during the day because that's when her other kids were in school, so she mm-hmm. didn't have to take everybody. And she said, just hearing you say it, so I'm I'm giving you permission to pull your kids out of school, take them to a therapist once a week, every other week, yep. however often you need to. I would try and do it in the afternoon so you don't have to take them back because yep. our therapy days are rough days, mm-hmm. and homeschooling does not really happen after therapy days. Yep. So, and one thing I'd like to add before we wrap up on the therapists is that another good indicator that you've probably found a good one is when the kids are asking to go see them. Yes, because I know that you know we have one of ours who 
goes and sees a therapist every now and then. And he looks forward to it. Oh, yeah. And he, we call him his talk doctor. Yeah. And yeah. And he actually went and saw him last week. And, you know, he told us afterwards that he's amazed at the progress that he, he had made. And he hadn't seen him in a couple months. Yeah. And so, yeah, when the when the kid mm-hmm. is enthusiastic about seeing him, you, you know, you've probably got a good relationship going on there. Yeah. And another thing, too, is communicating communicating with your kid's therapist. I think it's important that it's important that your therapist is able to have some confidentiality with your child so your child feels safe. Yeah. But I also think it's important that your therapist communicates with you the things that they're working on and what's what's happening and how they're seeing your child progressing in areas your child's needing to work on it. And it all depends on what, what your kids needs are, right? Right. If you're working on attachment, it should be you and your child with therapist. If you're working on other things, um, emotional needs or getting past some, um, you know, just some barriers, some, some past traumatic events that have happened and trying to kind of work through those things, then you're not necessarily going to be with the therapist, but the therapist should be communicating our, Therapist, our kids' therapist communicates with us on a very regular basis and is always willing to meet more if we feel like we need to maybe fill her in on some things that are going on mm-hmm. or if we need to, whatever. She's always available to us um, to send a quick email. She's and willing say, to hey. call us if you need to. Yeah, yeah. And, and, just, and just communicate because I feel like we're, she really is on our team and she really does want what's best for our kids. Okay, so E, extended family. This can be a tough one. Yeah, we're just going to have to hit the highlights here because this is an episode. (laughs) All by itself. This is a series of episodes unto themselves. Yeah. Yeah, and and so the extended family thing is hard at first. I think it becomes a lot easier over time. Um, You know, and I'll just speak from our personal experience on this issue um, because this is the place we had to get to. I don't know of anybody who, when their children get married, think oh my gosh grandparents are on the horizon and you know most you know both you know our folks seem like they, they enjoy being grandparents and they think well grandparenting is on the horizon now i can spoil the children and get even with my kids right because that's what grandparents <laughs> that's what's about if you're not a grandparent we've, we have figured you out um but I don't believe, at least not in our experience, that any of them went, oh my gosh, I really hope I become a grandparent one day because my kids decide to foster. Mm. So there is a, there is a, you know, we talk about at the genesis of adoption and foster care, there is loss at that story. Well, we have to be honest and say that the extended family, that there's a loss of their, their hopes and expectations about what, what, the, what their grandchildren would look like. Right. And by look like, I mean how they would come into the family. And so we have to really... We have to have the responsibility of building that bridge from their expectations to our reality mm. and not just go, well, they're, you know, because this is what we did for a long time. You know, yeah. for those, yeah, Kayla just said, yeah, I was, about, I was about to say, she's nodding for those of you who can <laughs> see her. Um, that's what we did for a long time and felt like our folks needed to try harder. Well, the reality is that our folks were processing some stuff about the reality of our family. And so, you know, it, in, over the last decade, it certainly has, has improved a lot. Um, they're curious. Um, you know, I was going through some books recently, 
my in-laws were over here and, and, and we had multiple copies of Jane Schooler's book, Wounded Children Healing Homes. And my mother-in-law asked me if she could have it because she wanted to read it. That's not the same woman from, from a decade ago. Mm. So to say that the extended family thing is hard, yeah, it's hard for most of us up front. And I don't want to make light of that because we know people who like don't even do Christmas with their folks anymore mm. because of some of these situations. And I certainly want to be sensitive to that. But I do want to say that even when it seems really, 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 really dark and difficult, extended family can, that is, that is, that is, that is a nut that can be cracked. It, you, you don't have to just give up on that one because they can and they will uh, come along with you. You just have to do the work. You can't just expect them and then get mad when they don't. Mm. I remember having a conversation with my mom um, a couple of years ago, and we were we were standing outside, and the kids all kind of climbed in the car after spending a day with her, and we were talking about something, and she just said to me, you have to understand that you went through a lot of classes, and you read a lot of books because they were required for you when you became a foster parent, and she said, we didn't have to do that. We just thought we got to be grandparents and just kind of do whatever play with the kids you know do what grandparents do spoil them feed them junk food and all that right (laughs) even with their kids that's what get even with their kids (laughs) she said so all the stuff that you're doing with your kids is completely foreign to us and we need you to help us to figure that out and so she said so you have to give us a little bit of grace and say you know what you're not always going to get it right and I, I appreciated that kind of honesty from her and saying, listen, we didn't, we didn't learn all the same stuff. And it helps that my parents have some good friends who also have grandchildren that are adopted. Mm. And so they've been able to kind of talk through Parent some notes. of that. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's kind of nice, I think, that they can both talk about how their kids are doing things a little differently than they did. And, and they've kind of learned why they have to do things a little bit differently. So I think that has helped, but yeah, I mean, we just have to, we have to set our expectations and then prepare our parents and say, Hey, would you read this book? Would you watch this DVD and give them some resources that will help them to be better grandparents to their kid, their grandkids? You know, I think one of the, the um, struggles there is that if you believe that a prophet is without honor in their hometown, certainly one of the places that, that is true is when you try to educate your parents. Indeed. Now, that's really hard for them, right? Yeah. Because, because, you know, what I had to learn is that at some point, I'm always going to be a mouthy little nine-year-old to my father. Yeah. And for him to to sort of receive any kind of education on anything... It's hard for him, and I and I get that. You know, I remember one time, um, I had told him something, and he was like, "Man, when are you and Kayla gonna quit smoking wacky weed?" That's what my dad calls marijuana, wacky weed. <laughs> <laughs> Man, when are you and Kayla quit smoking wacky weed when it comes to parenting? Fast forward a week, literally a week later, and he's standing speaking, talking to Amy Monroe, and uh, Amy tells him the exact same thing I told him. The next day, we're over at their house, and he says to me. <laughs> Have you guys thought about trying this? And I'm like, I'm like, are you freaking kidding me? We literally talked about this last week. One Dad. week ago, I was I was like high on marijuana because I suggested this, and now it's like the greatest thing in the world because somebody else suggested it. Yeah. And yep. I mean, that's when I realized that that it that's just a real barrier for them to get over mm-hmm. uh, for a lot of our folks. And so, um, yeah, I mean, you just got to keep at it and 
anything worth doing is worth doing over a lengthy period of time. And yeah. in our experience, they do, they do come around and they do start to understand that, that you can't, certain things are triggers for our kids and, and they just have to understand that they have to kind of, um, you know, I mean, one of the things that was hard for us was going from um, the whole your own kids versus your kids. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that's that's subtle. And they're like, well, we didn't mean it like that. I'm like, yeah, but think about how your grandson heard that. Yeah. Yeah. Which which is which is really a big turning point, particularly with my mom, to say to her, think about how your grandson heard that. Because then she's like, oh. You know, oh, I, I, can, see. I can see that now. Yeah. yeah. And so in any other realm of our children's lives, um, being able to cultivate some empathy in people mm-hmm. is of the highest value, I think. Yeah. So let's move on to A, academic environment, mainly teachers, right? That's what yeah, we're talking school, about yeah. here. Because so. not all of us you know, want to homeschool our children, let's be honest. <laughs> Some of us don't have that option, right? I don't want to we, homeschool our children. <laughs> Just thought we, I thought we were taking a vote. Who so didn't want to homeschool their children? That's my bad. Well, yeah, I mean, some of our parents, you know, they have to work. They don't have that option. Yep. Yeah. And they have to send their kids to public school. So how can we, uh, you know, help, uh, help our teachers set our kids up for success? I think from a teacher's perspective, we are prepared for a lot of different things in the classroom, but a lot of what we do is managing the classroom. Mm-hmm. Right. And so we may have just learned a certain style and that's what we know. And that's the only way we know to manage a classroom. And we don't think about it from a perspective of, you know, if I write my kids, if I write the kids names on the board, then that's really shaming for a lot of kids. Yeah. Right. If we have those charts, you know, the, the color charts. Right. Um, I used those in my classroom when I was teaching. And I remember my boss saying, I don't really think we should use those. And all the teachers kind of pushed back and said, no, it's really great. We should use those. (laughs) And so we use them. Right. And so, but looking at it from a parent perspective, I'm like, wow, my kid really wants to do the right thing. And sometimes gets in trouble and moves the, you know, moves or my kid has impulse control oh, yeah. and it's really hard, you mm-hmm. know, and then once their color is changed from green, it doesn't matter if you've got 14 colors on there. Yeah. If it's not on green, if it's not perfect, some of those kids, they feel devastated in their whole self-concept. But as a teacher, we don't always see that side of it. We're seeing, I have... 20 kids in my classroom, I need to make sure they're not out of control and I Mm. have certain expectations and all of that. And so I think we have to, as a parent, we have to approach it from a, let me educate you on things, not just here's what my child needs Mm -hmm. in your classroom, but from a perspective of here are some things that I've found that have helped my child at home. Mm -hmm. So you can come to them with a, Hey, I've tried this. We have that same struggle with my kids at home. And here's what we found works really well. I did that with a teacher once. One of mine was struggling to sit still in class, like at all. And I said, oh my goodness, we have had that same struggle at home. And we found that letting her sit on a bouncy ball really, really helps. And she said, we'll send it to school. (laughs) I mean, literally, that was the first thing she said when I approached her like that. And so I did. Great. She didn't say, oh, well, yeah, we're not doing that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, she said, send it to school. I'll let her sit on a bouncy ball because yeah. it was disruptive to her and she didn't know how to handle it. Yeah. We had learned some things. And so I was able to say, well, this is what we learned. And it's really helped her be able to sit on that bouncy ball 
and do her work and she can focus. So I didn't just send one. I sent like four of them. She was in first grade. So yeah. I got those little hippity hot balls oh, and yeah. I sent a couple of, you know, like lightning McQueen ones and a couple those of princessy ones. Awesome. Really kids are. used to have like races downstairs. Oh yeah. They did. So cool. They did. But I sent a bunch of them to school and they were able, she was able to use them because it wasn't just my kid that needed that. Oh yeah. There it's never several. just your kid. No. And so when you approach it with a, Hey, we tried this or we struggle with this and it's a, it's just like with our kids, right? We approach it with a, it's not an us versus them. Mm-hmm. It's a, let's come together. Let's, let's be a team and let's work with one another for what's best for this kid. Right. right? Cause it, ultimately we want these kids to be successful. Teachers want them to be successful. Mm-hmm. Parents want them to be successful. And even if it is your kid, <laughs> Yeah. Even though you know we just said it's usually not just your kid, but right. even if it is just your kid, and you can help that teacher, you know, ease that situation, it yep. works to the benefit of all the kids Absolutely. as a result. So yeah. that's yeah, that's how you have to approach it. Indeed. Yeah. Indeed. <laughs> Ryan was quiet on this one. Is there anything that's else to surprising. add on academics? Well, you're a professional educator, so I felt like <laughs> if one of us handled this, it should be you. Okay. <laughs> so moving along to the end of our acronym. M, medical professionals. Yes. Yeah, we have, we have to have our, our doctors on board. Absolutely. And I think that sometimes it takes a little trying to find, same with a therapist. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we want the most convenient, the one that takes our insurance. Definitely want the one that takes your insurance if you can <laughs> yeah. for medical stuff, for sure. But the one that's most convenient may not be the best fit for your kid, yep. you know? And you got to think about what are you looking for in a in a medical professional, are you looking for someone who is quick to medicate? Are you looking for someone who is going to listen to you? Mm. We had a doctor once that would literally hand me a prescription before explaining what the medicine was for. <laughs> right. And I said, well, what is this? Well, it's, it's this, you know, whatever, whatever problems, like a, a rash or something like that. Mm. And I'm like, I would rather you say to me, I think what we should do is this, right? And I wanted somebody who was going to be more collaborative with me because I tend to go for more natural remedies and I don't necessarily want you to just hand me a prescription. That's not why I'm going to the doctor. I would like to know what's going on and how, what are some options that I have to help my child? You're supposed to be a diagnostician, diagnose. Right, exactly. And, And some parents, that's not what they want. Some parents want to give that, that, medical professional, all the power, say you went to school and you know what you're doing and that's okay if that's what you want, but you got to know what you want and you have to know what your expectations are of that doctor. I saw a post recently in a group on Facebook and they, it was this mom and she was feeling really shamed by the doctor because she had brought her kids with and the doctor really just like gave them a talking to and said, you know, well, if you act like this, you can't come with your mom to bring your brother for a visit or whatever. And I thought, wow, that poor mom who's having to take her children with her to this right. medical appointment. These kids are probably been in the waiting room for an hour Who at least. How long, right. And this doctor just talked down to the kids and made the mom feel really bad about herself. That's not what I, I don't want that in a doctor. I yeah. want a doctor who is is seeing the whole picture, right? Mm. When I waited in the waiting room for two hours last week for a doctor's appointment, the doctor walked in and guess what she found? Shredded paper from the table all over the floor. Because you know what? My kid can't handle being in there for that long. And it was too long and she understood. So I think you have to figure out what are your expectations of your medical professionals 
And then if you really like them in the way they do those things, then educate them yeah. and help them to understand because they're educated in certain areas. It doesn't mean they understand all aspects of trauma, right. just like other people in our kids' lives. And I think, too, don't be afraid to change as your kids' needs change. Yeah. You know, as they get older and some of the problems that you may have had before. Yeah. That that medical professional might have been really competent in isn't so much a need for your family anymore. Yeah. And it would be okay for you to go to somebody else. Yep. Yeah, for I sure. mean, we, we could fill hours discussing just that, right? Yeah. You know, then, um, and if somebody wants a little, little fun research project, um, Google the Stanley Milgram experiments that he did in the 1960s about how we will just assent and give all control to somebody who we have deemed to be an authority figure. Mm-hmm. And we certainly feel that about, uh, about medical professionals, uh, attorneys, pe- professional people on that level. Very few of us actually challenge what they say because of their, you know, to become a doctor, a lawyer takes a lot of hard work and a lot of education and they're very very smart people and we feel like we don't want to challenge them. But it's amazing to me the stories we hear of parents who just like whatever the doctor says they do, they don't ever advocate for their kid in there. And the doctor's not always right because the doctor will, like Kayla said, there'll be a doctor who's like medicating is is the way there was something like let's try something a little bit more holistically let's try to figure out diet and stuff like that and you really have to find the person that's gonna that's gonna treat your children mostly in line with your philosophies on on their health see i contributed on that one that was good that was good and i think with all of these with every aspect of our kids team we just have to remember that sometimes we're going to have to repeat the same things over and over again yeah that it's not necessarily going to sink in the first time. I mean, the first time we went to foster parent classes, uh, like barely anything sank in. Like it was only the second time once we really had experienced having kids in our home Mm -hmm. that we went, oh, I need to pay a little more attention next time. Right. And so sometimes we're going to have to tell the people on our kids team the same things over and over again until they finally realize the merit and the value of the things that we're trying to help them yep. understand about our kids. Beautifully said. So if you have some questions about how you might be able to better build your team for your child, feel free to email us at info at one big happy home.com. Um, if you could fit your question into 280 characters, feel free to tweet it to us at one big happy home. We also have a Facebook group just for our podcast listeners. You can search for the empowered parent podcast community. So, Ryan, Kayla, thank you once again for being on the podcast. Thank you, Chris. Chris. You can subscribe to our podcast in iTunes or on the Google Play Store. Just search for the Empowered Parent Podcast. If you've enjoyed and gotten value from the show, we would appreciate a review in either location. The Empowered Parent Podcast is committed to helping parents of foster and adopted kids through connecting, correcting, and empowering principles. Thanks for listening.